0: Welcome to The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in 12-step programs, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of letting go. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Swetha.
1: How are you today, Swetha?
2: Fine, thank you. And
0: next to Swetha is special guest host, Mark. How are you doing, Mark?
1: I am so excited, Spencer. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great
0: to have you, too. So the first segment of today's episode of the recovery show will be our discussion of the topic, letting go. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. As I said, my name is Spencer and you know, letting go is the first thing that I really latched onto when I came into the Al-Anon program. I was living with active alcoholism, and I had been driving myself crazy trying to make it better, trying to control it, trying to cure it. And when I finally realized one day, um, somebody somebody said in a in a meeting um, at a at a recovery center, they they told me what we call the three C's, which is that I could didn't cause it, that I couldn't control it, and that I couldn't cure it. And sort of in that moment i i heard those words for the first time and maybe somebody had said them to me before i really don't know but i heard them that day and i went to my first alan on meeting that night and you know i didn't didn't hear a whole lot of what people were saying um but i did at some point fairly early pick up the slogan let go and let god and i i heard that slogan and uh I wasn't sure about the let God part and that's a, a different episode, but, uh, let go. I thought was something I could, I could work on. And so whenever I got the urge, uh, to try to control my loved ones drinking, I told myself, let go, just let go. And you know, it was a struggle. It really was. Um, I put it on my phone you know, I could, at, at that time I had a, a, an analog phone and I could put a little line of text on the screen. And so what I put there was let go. So every time I, I opened my phone, it said, let go. And it reminded me that that's what I needed to do to stay sane.
1: You didn't drop your phone at that point, did you? Let go of your phone?
0: I did not. No, you know, (laughs) that's (laughs) okay. No, I never thought of that, actually. Um, How about you, Mark? You heard, when did you hear let go or about letting go?
1: Well, I guess I'd like to start, Spencer, about before the program. Okay. Okay, what, what it used to be like. And, you know, looking back on it, Um, I did a fair amount of letting go Uh, my qualifier primary qualifier was my son and as he was 16 years old and so this whole idea of letting go has been quite an adventure and quite a learning process but looking back before I came into Al-Anon And Andrew was in the midst of his disease. I let go of a lot of things. You know, I, but I was doing it really self-destructively. I I let go of so many things. I I was so focused on him and on his addiction and on his recovery that I let go of things like my own responsibility to my family because I was spending so much time focused on him and what he was doing. Um, I let go of taking care of myself at a time. uh, There was a one specific time that Andrew was in such a state and he was a risk to, to flee that I was sleeping on the floor of his bedroom every single night. And And how old was he? He was 16 years old.
0: Wow. I did that with my kids when they were two and just in beds instead of cribs. But wow.
1: And so I was just,
0: yeah, that's crazy making
1: overcome with fear that that's That's how fear overloaded I was, and you're talking about trying to control it, one of the three C's. I was so trying to to control it, and so I let go of everything else in my life, and I suffered, and he suffered, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand, you know, I am doing my level best, and it's only getting worse. And so that's what it was like for me before coming into the program. I was well acquainted with letting go. I was just letting go of all the wrong things, and I didn't know it. You know? And I really thought I was doing what was best, what was best for the family. I was motivated out of love. It wasn't a selfish thing. I thought it was selfless. Looking back on it, maybe there was some martyrdom going on. That Look at me. I'm working so hard. Poor me. There was certainly some of that, but I was motivated to try to do the level best. And, you know, when we have our loved one that is mired in addiction and he's a minor in our child, that, I, that whole concept of where does my parental responsibilities end and codependency begin is a fuzzy thing. But these clearly, these acts that I described are clearly codependency
0: little over the top there. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about how much I let go of myself when I was trying to control the, the addiction. Not admitting, of course, that it was alcoholism. I, I, I was not able to admit that, but I was still trying to control it. How about you, Swetha?
2: Oh, um, before, before the program, uh, letting go meant one of two things. It either meant... Um, that I go into denial about it and say, this isn't really happening. Um, or alternatively, it meant that I was accepting defeat at the hands of whatever it was that I was trying to control or take care of or, or force. And, um, both of those options (laughs) looking back now were not good options. Um, it was, uh, that whole binary thing, the black and white thinking, Mm -hmm, that was definitely playing into it a lot there. Um, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to accept defeat. I was, I just had, you know, I, I, I remember one of my friends telling me one day, you know, so I thought, you argue an awful lot. And I thought, no, <laughs> that's just my zest for life. <laughs> um. And I mean, I thought it was good. I thought, I'm not going to accept things the way they are. Things need to change. Things need to be fixed. Things could be better and I can make them better. And when I couldn't make them better, I just kind of ignored that they were happening. I ignored that they existed. Um, I didn't want to think about it. It felt like, I mean, I think, I think my thought process there was I can't do anything about that. Like there's nothing I can possibly do to fix it. So why even think about it? Why even acknowledge it's there? Um, I really like that after the program, uh, after I started doing the steps, letting go meant accepting reality for what it is, um, it doesn't mean that I've failed myself or met defeat. It just meant I stopped trying to force things that weren't in my control, and that's okay. That's just being realistic. And um, I don't think I was ready to hear that before the program. Before the program, if someone had told me that, I would have been like, "You're you're a wuss. <laughs> you, just <laughs> you just haven't gotten there yet." You, I wish I could. I, I'll, let me teach you a few things here, buddy. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I saw it letting go before the program.
0: <clears throat> and and so as i was trying to practice letting go um let go um, you know there were a whole bunch of behaviors that i was doing to try to control the drinking uh and also to control uh maybe the outcomes of the drinking so enabling behaviors as well uh going to buy a, another bottle of wine when when one ran out so that my loved one wouldn't be driving um, after drinking too much and uh you know i had to let go of those behaviors as well. And, and sometimes that was hard because, uh, you know, it felt like a, a, maybe a safety thing. You know, I don't want my loved one driving to the grocery store after two bottles of wine because they need another one to get to sleep. And, um, but what I found was that as I let go of my attempts to control, as I let go of my need to control, um, only when I did that, uh, did my loved one actually start to seek recovery for real. Um, uh, for real is, is hard. I, I, that, that's a little harsh, but, uh, you know, it, it felt like w- while I was not letting go, while I was holding on, while I was clinging, um, whoa, hit my microphone there, while I was, um, you know, clinging to the need to control that kind of, um, put an insulating layer around her and maybe she wasn't really feeling the full extent um, of her disease or she figured, well, hey, you know, Spencer's going to fix things for me so I don't have to do anything. I don't really know what was what was going on inside her head, but I do know that, that the first time that I was really able um, to let go uh, for maybe a week, uh, at that then she went into uh, an inpatient treatment. And, you know, there was, there was a lot more past that, but that was the first time that, that I really saw that, Hey, this, this not only makes me feel better, um, it also maybe gives her a little push that I wasn't able to give her when I was pushing, which is really weird. (laughs) Um, and I don't really want to give credit to that, but I know what I saw and, and it, and it was happening and it, um, and so it, it gave me. More incentive to keep working on on it, um, I don't know Mark, do you have a
1: yeah, I'd like to jump in here um, Spencer Swetha said something really interesting to me, and you were talking about how you were you were saying that there was craziness around you and that it really wasn't there, and that you know you are kind of using denial as a way of coping. What's what's interesting to me is how does denial relate to letting go? It's not really letting go, but it's, 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 it, it, it sounded to me like you were talking about. It's some form of trying to deal with the craziness, not really letting go of it, not acknowledging it, feeling the feelings and, and, and working through it. It's just not there. And I could so much relate to that. Um, before coming into the program, actually before um, my son – was full you know before the problem became so obvious that we could no longer deny it we spent so much time denying it so I guess I was letting go of reality in a lot of ways because I, I didn't really want to face that at all
0: yeah that's I, I, I picked up that um, when you were talking also way. Then I thought well that's a, an interesting um, you know letting go of reality wow <laughs> um, and and uh you know, I probably had that, but I, I certainly didn't recognize it and, um, oh man, I had a thought in here. Oh yeah. So, so, you know, I told you how I chopped off the second half of let go and let God because, yes. um, I couldn't deal with the God part at the beginning and I didn't really understand. Um, I didn't have a concept of a higher power. And so, uh, the, con- the, the idea that I could hand something over to my higher power that I could let God just, it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does leave a hole. Because if, if if I want my loved one to be safe, I want my loved one to be healthy and, and I'm not working on making that happen, what assurance do I have that it actually is going to happen at some point? And, and of course the, the, you know, the short answer to that is I don't have any assurance, but, um, it, it, just letting go wasn't enough. Um, you know, it was a start. It was a place I could start, and it was a place I could get some relief. It was a place I could stop driving myself as crazy as I was driving myself. Um, But it it didn't really give me a positive place to go with it. It was less negative, but it wasn't positive. And and it really took um, the second step, and working on the concept of a higher power uh, to uh, to get to the place where, where I could go from maybe sort of neutral to, to positive. I don't it, it, Can you, do you have any thoughts on that, Mark?
1: Yeah, I, I do. Uh, the first time that, that I, I heard the slogan, let go and let God, and I was in the program. Um, I really didn't come into the program with too much baggage around a higher power. I, I, I was pretty much okay with that and 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 truly with my own problems my own issues i had no problems letting go and letting god but with my loved ones now that's a different story i didn't trust that much so the first time that i i heard the slogan let go and let god i thought or not i heard someone else say how she reacted the first time she she heard that she said how irresponsible <laughs> And I could really identify with that because it did seem irresponsible to me. If I'm not going to take care of him, who is? And, 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 and trying to turn it over to a higher power just seemed, again, she said irresponsible and I could relate. So, you know, again, this trying to figure out where my parental respons- responsibilities are and where they are not. Thank God for the program. Thank God for you people. Because, and thank God for meetings to just try to process that. You never told me exactly what to do, but you point me to the literature and you told me what you did and those kind of things. And so I began there, you know, and, and it was a long process because, you know, I had a, a situation that was out of control and trying to and, and letting go of control was just petrifying. I was just so afraid and so this was a process.
2: Yeah. Oh, for me with um like going like God, I actually this ties in very well with my denial. Um I when I was growing up, I used to be I used to be really religious, I used to pray a lot and and not just not just like, you know, taking in my parents' religion and and parroting it back at people, but rather I actually really believed. And um then about the time uh, about the time I hit 13 or 14, a lot of stuff started happening and I started realizing more things uh, going on around me. And um, I think I stopped believing in God. I, rather, I decided that God wasn't doing much of a bang-up job with my life, so someone's <laughs> got to take this into their own hands. <laughs> and um, and so I did. And I, I don't know that I stopped believing in God in the sense that I was like, there is no God. I just decided... Whoever this God is, he's not a very nice person, <laughs> and I'm not. Um, I'm not going to be sticking around for that and cheering him on or anything because he's not doing what he should be doing. And um, and then I, so I just took matters into my own hands, and I was too busy trying to control things to give God another thought or acknowledge it. So I started identifying as atheist um, because I was, in retrospect, really angry with with God and with everybody um and then so when I came to the program Spencer like you I saw let go and let God and I was like let's let's take that back a couple steps and stick with just let go and in the beginning that was enough um I thought okay I won't do anything but as as long as God's not doing anything as long as we're at a truce (laughs) I'm okay with that but after a while I realized that um then it just felt for me internally, like just chaos, like everything was just a crapshoot and nothing, nothing was really happening for a reason or anything. And, um, (laughs) and, um, actually one of my friends, I was talking to, to him about it and he, he told me to, he told me a lot of things, but one of the first things I remember him telling me is that the universe is conspiring to help me. Huh. And I looked at him and I was like, "Let me listen here, buddy. Let me let me give you my autobiography in a, in a nutshell and tell me how the universe is conspiring to help me." And he goes, "I don't need to hear it. You're you're here, aren't you?" And I was like, "Damn, <laughs> what do I say to that?" Um. And he asked me to pray, and I did. And uh, I didn't think anything would come of it because I was just too angry with God. I thought and i did and i realized i wasn't angry with god so much as just ashamed that i wasn't able to fix everything in my life i wasn't able to do everything on my own and i thought i would broken myself and and disappointed god and um disappointed him not just because of what happened with me but what happened with my family and everything and then i after that let go and let god was just suddenly easier because i realized i couldn't do everything and if i was and if I felt that ashamed, and I went through that, I think, with my sponsor at around that time about all the things I felt like I could, didn't do properly, and realized most of that stuff, I mean, I was seven years old, you know, I couldn't do much at seven years old, couldn't even drive a car, <laughs> um, let alone fix the world. So at that point, let go and let God seemed a lot easier. I realized that whatever had happened, it happened, but I was here. And I was happy. I, whether or not I was willing to see it was a different story, but that was that was my first real wake up call to let go and let God. I
1: have a question. Yeah, yeah. Both of you talked about you know when you first came in the program and you were able to let go go. Who were you letting go to? I, I, what, that that sounds frightening to me.
0: It well it and it was sort of. I mean that's and that was the struggle that I had. That um, what what I was told and what you know what I what I came to understand through the first step was I did not have the power to do what I wanted to do, which was to get my loved one sober. And so it was sort of like, you know, rolling the boulder up the hill and then it would roll back down and rolling the boulder up the hill so I could stop rolling the boulder up the hill. Now, I still wanted the boulder to go up the hill. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Uh, But I uh, what I knew was what experience told me and what experience continued to tell me every time I tried to roll the boulder up the hill because I forgot I couldn't um, Was it came back down and you know ran over me and flattened me on the way usually and uh, um, So, you know right at the beginning it was like no, just don't don't push that boulder. Okay Uh, And like I said, that's what I said it took me from from negative to more near neutral, but it didn't take me to somewhere positive because it didn't give me any hope um, any, you know, what was I giving it to? I wasn't giving it to anything. I was just giving it, I was giving it away. Um, and, and so, you know, really it took, it was step two and step three that brought me to a place where, and that I could say, let go and let God, that I could have faith that my loved one had a higher power and that my loved one's higher power wanted what was best for her. And that if she could access her higher power, that, that she would be able to move that boulder. Maybe her higher power would take the hill out of the way. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it, it is a struggle. And, and I've seen this struggle with some of my sponsees, too. Um, I, I was working with a, a fellow who was, I don't know, five or six years sober and dealing with his girlfriend who was not. And, and he was struggling because he says, I know what to do. I got sober. She just has to do the same thing I did and she'll get sober. <laughs> okay. And, and he was really struggling with this. And so we were working the steps and we were working the steps with uh, an L on book called paths to recovery, which has a set of questions for each step. And we were on step three and there's a question that says, do I trust my higher power to take care of me? And he said, sure. You know, I already did that in the other program, you know, I, I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. That's what step three says. And, and I, I looked at him and I said, do you trust God to take care of your girlfriend? And he said, no, no, I don't. And I said, well, that's what you got to work on. Okay. You need to find that trust in God to take care of her. And then you will have step three for where you are now. Um, uh, now that you're sober and, and trying to deal with, you know, somebody else's drinking, you need, you need to accept that, that God will take care of that, that person. And, and that's hard. Uh, and, and you know, I, I think he, he, he heard that and he worked on it and things got easier for him. Um, he's since moved away and so I don't really know where he is on that now. Uh, but I, I do know that he was, he was getting Back to more of himself and less focus on her um, by the by the time they moved um, i don't know any your thoughts
2: um I think when I started doing let go i I was so miserable and scared and tired i mean gosh i I was on the verge of tears and collapsed constantly and i didn't I was in denial about that too <laughs> and um so for me, it was not that I was so kind of like Spencer, it wasn't that I was at a positive place when I let go, but it was better than the deeply negative place I was in. I was obviously – was. it was clear to me I had no clue what I was doing anymore and I couldn't – not that I ever did. <laughs> but I knew at that point that what I was doing wasn't working. And um, And I felt like – I think growing up, I just felt so responsible for everything else. So when someone finally told me, the world isn't your responsibility – I was so desperate for a vacation (laughs) from my day job of uh, fixing everything that I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. I'm out, guys. Peace. (laughs) And um, and I didn't, I don't think I, like I mentioned, I don't think I necessarily believed in God at the time, but um, I did like that. uh, I think steps two and three kind of talked about serenity and seeking out serenity. So before I found God, I started looking for serenity. And that's how I kind of, found the let God part of it is that I find serenity in small things. And I started making when I let go, I started making serenity my priority. And the rest of the world could fix itself. I mean, it was fine. <laughs> long before I was born, it was probably doing great while I was around and gonna do great after I give up. So I focused on finding my serenity. And, and then someone told me that higher power is just something that helps you find your serenity. And so I started doing it sort of piecemeal, you know. Today, my dog licking my face was my higher power. Um, maybe the sunset was my higher power the next day. And after a while, I was a lot of these little things and my higher power became this bigger loving force that kind of sent me those little things to communicate that affection and presence to me. And um, for a while, I had written on my hand, be still and know that I'm with you um, to kind of remind me of that. And it helped me really get to the let God part of it and and bring it all back
1: you know when I first came into the program and knew that what I was doing wasn't working Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite to the place where I was gonna let go and let God with with my family or with and with my loved one in particular so I was still driving into meetings and I was still reading the big book to him and all those things and And my other son was going to Alateen, and I was going to meetings, and my wife was going to meetings. And there was a day that came to me where there was this realization that, you know what, I'm never going to have that perfect family. You know, my family is never going to be full of honor students, National Honor Society, and football players and all that. Look at what we do every night. We all go to meetings. And so I let go of that idea of what the world might consider the perfect family. And I really embraced that I did have the perfect family. We're all in recovery. And so, you know, I, I wasn't sure what I let that go over to, but I did receive quite a grace, right? I was able to see with some clarity that this, this had a possibility of being certainly better and that change was on its way. And I think that was my first realization, realization that, that letting go might have some positive fruits.
0: You know, Mark, that's a a great um, observation because I hadn't, you know, I I mean, as soon as you said it, I realized, oh yeah, um, totally. I mean, I've done that, that, you know, we have a picture of, of what our lives are going to be. We have a picture of what our, our children are going to be. We have a picture of, of what our, our future path is going to be. And, you know, my future path, I mean, my current path, uh, that I got to where I am now is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Say when I graduated from college. Okay. Um, I had a, I had a, I didn't really have a plan. Okay. I had a direction and that direction took me in a particular play to a particular place and through some particular experiences and, and then, you know, it kind of fizzled, uh, <laughs> turned out that wasn't where I was supposed to be. Right. Um, and you know, I had to let go, uh, and that actually was a letting go before, before I came into the program I was like, well, that didn't work. And, but I, I actually kept, kept hanging on to that idea of this is what my career, this is what, you know, this is what my meaning, this is what, what makes me meaningful, uh, is, is this vision that I had of myself. And, you know, that was not to be. And, and I held on to that for probably another decade, more or less just figuring, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And, and I didn't get there. And, you know what? I'm happy where I am, and I'm probably happier where I am now than I was when I was, quote, living the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it, but it took letting go of that, that vision, that dream. It took letting go of that for me to be able to see that, oh, you know what? I actually, I really like what I'm doing now. And I really like who I am, and, and I like where I live. And, you know, when I was a kid, used to, you know, Get some graph paper and I would draw plans of the house I was going to live in when I grew up. And oh, it, really? Oh, yeah. I want to have this, like, you know, great big library with like two floors of bookshelves and ladders and, that, and a six a foot nerd? globe in the middle. I'm such a nerd. Exactly. I did you know, that last night. Um, <laughs> 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 you know, and, and I came to be an adult and I realized that that was probably not going to happen. Um, I was, you know, and, and, uh, but what I have is good. Um, what I have now is good. And so, um, you know, you talked about acceptance, Swetha. Um, you talked about letting go of, of the vision of the perfect family and, and both of those, you know, they come together and, and it, and it, you know, life's a lot happier when, when you accept and like where you are instead of always wanting to be something different, wanting to be somewhere different. And, and that was, that's a big part of the letting go, I think.
2: Yeah, that was definitely, that's definitely something I've learned is that, um, actually, it's kind of a, an alarm for me in my head now, where if I feel like I'm losing my serenity or losing my sense of calm, it's because I so- start realizing that I'm clinging to or more, I'm attaching my value as a person to something in particular that I have no control over. For example, today at work, I was um, I was supposed to have some data ready for, for my boss, but the program that they wanted me to run this information on wasn't working appropriately. And I thought I started freaking out and going, oh, my God, this is it. This is it. I'm going to get fired, guys. Everything's going to be over. I'm going to be homeless in like two days. It's definitely what's going to happen. And then I stopped and realized I was acting a little bit nutty and um, realized, you know, I did what I could. I did my part. If that's not good enough, then, then that's OK. I mean, maybe I will get fired, but it's not like I'm unqualified. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'll find another job. If not, I'll marry Rich. (laughs) And I mean, as soon as I let go of that, I realized I was able to calm down enough to appreciate my point in life right now. I mean, the second I stop focusing on what I think should happen, I'm so, I'm not just happy that I feel more calm about it, but I'm able to just appreciate how wonderful everything is at this moment, even if it's not exactly what I pictured I would be at, where I'd be at at 26. I mean... If you ask me when I was 13, at 26, I'd be a neurosurgeon with a Nobel Prize, mm. okay?
1: <laughs> Bar's pretty hard. <high> <laughs> I
2: was also going to be married to a model husband who was a gourmet cook, by the way. We <laughs> got a shot at that. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, you know, my, my uh, sponsor-in-law, that would be my wife's sponsor, <laughs> She would always say, you know, to my wife and through her to me that um, we're, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And I, I never really liked that because sometimes I was in places that I didn't like and I kind of voiced that to her. And she said, but there's something for you to learn, you know, and if you're not, if you're uncomfortable and things aren't going well and and there's something for there's something there to be learned. And that I, we need the program to be able to to go through that uncomfortable feeling, you know. Letting go doesn't mean always that we feel great. And sometimes, no, yeah, no, it doesn't. But it is an opportunity to learn, you know, because usually we have to let go of what we're most fearful of.
2: One of oh. my one of my, um, one of my friends in the program actually, I remember her. One of the first times I was at a meeting, I remember her saying, "I don't have bad days anymore. I have." I have uh, difficult days sometimes, but they're challenging never, days. Challenging days mm-hmm. That's it, but not bad days. And I thought, lady, you can have my life. <laughs> if you want some bad days, here we go. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, I, I feel absolutely that way. I mean, it seems like every second, uh, one of two things can happen. I can either be happy or learning something. And both, I mean, neither of those is your life is over. Everything's messed up. It's just you're either happy content or learning something and um, that just put everything in a lot better perspective for me I wasn't just doing nothing I wasn't rolling over in defeat I wasn't being in denial about my life it was really amazing and just calming just peaceful it um, actually one of my friends told me this uh, amazing story he said um, this man went to a monk once and said oh my gosh you know my wife left me my job I just got fired my kids are gone everything is over My life is just ruined. And the monk just looked at him and he goes, well, you know, it's only your life. And it's just like, you know, keep things in perspective. It's not, everything is okay. It's not that big of a deal. And that's just, a year ago, I would have looked at you and thought, you are just off your rocker if you're telling me that it's only your life. But now it's just okay. It's all okay.
0: Yeah, and, and that reminds me that sometimes what I'm hanging on to is what's bringing me down. Um, you know, that I'm hanging on to an obsession. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hanging on to, uh, an unrealistic vision of where I should be, what I should be doing. And I can turn that around and I can, well, I can let go of an obsession. I can, and I can, but I can do that in a couple of different ways. And, and when I wrote the notes for the show, I thought, I said, you know, active letting go passive letting go sort of okay so at the beginning when i was letting go of trying to control my loved one's drinking that was sort of a passive letting go that was a not doing Mm -hmm. okay i'm not going to do this thing i was doing i'm not going to do this thing i was doing i'm not going to do this thing i was doing okay (laughs) and and it and it's passive because it's it's i mean it was actively being passive if you never mind okay (laughs) i get tangled up in words um but You pointed out that there's another way to do that, which is instead of just not doing something, I can instead look and see, you know, so if I feel like my life is the pits because this one thing is going wrong that I can't control, um, you know, my life is horrible because we have all this debt, okay, well, I can look around at the things that are good in my life and, you know, yeah, I can't let go of the debt. That would be really cool, okay? (laughs) Um, but you know, the credit card companies and, and the student loan people won't let me let go of the debt. Uh, I have to actually have to pay it off, but I can let go of the obsession that I have about the debt, recognize that we have a plan that we are paying it off and that we will be done with it at some point, you know, 10 years or whatever in the future, but we will be done with it. And I can look at the things that are good in my life and I can actively focus on the things that are good instead of the thing, the thing that is bad. And, and I can do that with, you know, different aspects. Um, And I think when I can do that and, and, you know, maybe, maybe God helps me to see the positive. Um, I I remember it it was in a meeting recently and I forget what the topic was, but the, the person who was sharing said, you know, I was complaining about this awful stuff and, And my friend said to me, you have a roof over your head. Yeah. You have regular meals. Yeah. You have a place to sleep. Yeah. You have a car. Yeah. You have gas to put in the car. Yeah. So what are you complaining about? (laughs) You you have a lot. Okay. But you're focusing on this one thing that you don't have. And, and if I can let go of that, that focus on the one thing, um, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to come back to this, where I found, the ability to let God, um, because that, that took a while for me and, and it came in a number of ways. One was that I saw my higher power acting, um, first through the, just through the program to make my life better. Um, but what I also did, uh, and was I attended a lot of, uh, AA open speaker talks, um, probably a couple, um, at least a hundred, um, over the period of, of, two or three years. And what One of the things that I got from those, besides a real understanding of, of the disease concept of alcoholism, that if all these people had these same experiences, even though they were very different people, that it was, you know, there really was something going on there. That helped me a lot. Um, but I also got hope because all of those speakers, some of them had been in just horrible state at the point of their um, you know, the what happened when they, when they found the program, when they found sobriety or, 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 uh, and I could look at that and say, you know, if that person found sobriety and that person found sobriety and that person found sobriety, um, through the help of their higher power in the program, then my loved one can also find sobriety through the help of her higher power and the program when she's ready for it. And and I could see that that each of those people had to come to it when they were ready. Um, and that helped me to let go of the, the urgency. You know, it has to happen now. It has to happen right now. Um, because, you know, you hear those stories and you, you recognize that that everybody has to reach a certain point in their life before they're ready. Um, and, and so it was my job to, to be here so that when she was ready, I was still here. Um, and that, that her higher power was going to get her to that point.
1: Uh, Spencer, something you said there, I I think is, uh, bears, bears repeating. Uh, Swetha, do you go to open talks? Yes, I do. And if especially for the new person that that might be still struggling with active addiction in their lives, Spencer, don't don't you think it'd be a wonderful idea to go to an open talk and get some hope?
0: I yeah, I mean I, for me, I'm pretty sure the first open talk I went to did not give me hope, okay? Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> uh and and You know, there are some open talks that I've been to, I would not wish them on somebody as their first, but you don't know what you're going to get and hopefully you, you get what you need. I think somebody said that earlier tonight, right? Um, you will get what you need. Um, it was, it was sort of the accumulated experience, um, that, that did it for me. Um, that, that, that brought me out of the, the hopelessness, um, into the hopefulness. If you're hearing some jingling, it's my dog. He just wants some attention. Okay, <laughs> Jake is awesome.
2: Yes, he is. Um, for me, with uh, with letting go and letting God, with especially the letting God part, it kind of does tie into open talks also, and really just actually to AA meetings. I'm not in the other program, but I do go to a lot of meetings, Al Anon meetings, where there's a, a AA meeting in the next room, and um, I would hear a lot of laughter. And a lot of happiness and um I think in the big book it says we are not a glum lot that's exactly right yeah and uh, i I thought I, I have um I have a few qualifiers, but my primary qualifier is a friend of mine that actually I grew up with um he's in, from junior high on and we were very close for a long time, and he's he's still he's still actively using um but I for a long time, I mean, I, I I did a lot of things to try and get him to stop. I tried to bribe him with money. I mean, you name it, I did it. Um, but uh, it didn't work, obviously. Shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, at the end of it, though, um, when I did hear those people laughing, when I heard them really happy, at that point, when I was walking into the meetings and stuff like that, I was I was so desperately, deeply, profoundly unhappy. And it did give me hope. But I think for the first time I wasn't thinking about anybody else in my life. It gave me hope for me, and I thought, oh. I thought if uh, I thought if I'm going to be in these meetings, if I keep going to these meetings, I will be laughing like that one day, and I'll be really laughing, not just laughing because I think someone wants me to laugh or they think they're funny, but like laughing from a place that really is of happiness and joy and love um for myself and for the other person and that's just i mean that's just how it sounded i hadn't i haven't heard laughs like that outside of the rooms before before i came here I just you can hear it just the sincerity and the connectedness with themselves with each other with their higher powers i wanted that and that that's how it gave me hope i guess that's when i i guess like god came in a lot a lot more easily for me
0: because where else would that laughter be coming from <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so true because really <laughs> there, there's so much difficulty in, in the rooms and yet yeah. we have found some way, yeah. some way to find uh, peace and serenity and, and laughter at times. And that yeah. so we all love it to hear you laugh in the rooms. <laughs> you know, the process of, of that, that second part of, you know, letting go and letting God, for, for me, Spencer, it was it took me practice. You know, because like your sponsee was so able to let go and let God when it came to him, his situation and his struggles and his difficulties, the rub for him is the same for me. I have found it extremely difficult, as I expressed previously, to let go and let God for my loved one. So what my sponsor did was let's take this one day at a time. And if you're able to go through tomorrow and you feel some peace and serenity, and you're able to you know, say your prayers at night, and you just simply made it through that day, take your higher power. Because there's nothing that you can, you know that you can't control it, cause it. You can't, so if you made it, then it's your higher power. And so I, I really, really slowed it down and, and took it that slowly. And that made me look a little more closely in my life and look for, some positive and some for some gratitude and we've talked about this before before Spencer gratitude is such an important part of this program because there are so many things to be grateful for but if we're overwhelmed with someone else's behavior we can be really mired in that sickness and we become sick too so yeah for me let the the the, the letting god part of it took some work
0: and and it still takes some work and there's still times when I think we all despair of God. Um, and, and so your reminder to, to thank God for getting through the day, uh, is, is a good one to keep our connection. Um, and, uh, I think with that, um, we'll, uh, we'll close this section. And, uh, after a short break, we'll be back with our lives in recovery where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. The first musical selection uh, for the break is the Beatles song, let it be. And I don't think I really need to say anything more about that. It seems pretty clear.
1: (laughs) When I
2: find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be.
0: In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our, in our meetings, and in our lives this week. Mark,
1: Uh yes, yeah, Spencer, uh, my home group is Serenity Seekers, uh, Saturday morning at King of Kings, and um, you know, Swetha, so, and if you're new, and if you come to if you come to meetings, you're. What I always find, uh, find out is that I hear my story through other people. And I really think that's how a higher power works with me. And, and Saturday morning, the person that shared, and she was brand new, brand new first meeting uh, outside of friends and family. Um, and she talked and she spoke that her husband's alcoholic and her son moved to Florida with an opiate addiction and had passed away and doesn't know what to do. And that is my story. <laughs> and and instantly we have such a profound connection. I don't know this person from Adam. I don't know anything about her background, but I know that we have a deep, deep connection. And there's um, there's real opportunity for growth because we're not alone. And, and that's what I really need to remind myself is that I need to go to meetings but because I can't do this alone and there's no other place where I can go to where I can talk about this and be understood and be heard and um, Wednesday night I go to the same meetings that you do um, just for today right, I that right? For today, yeah. and that's an awesome meeting um, very inspirational. And I get a lot out of it. And again, I heard my story through someone else and, and, and I, I get to hear their experience and, 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 and hear what the things that I need to work on. And what she shared is that she no longer has active addiction in her life. This disease took that person away from her. And that she finds today that she's just overcome with worry. And what I'm hearing her say and what my experience is, is that if I, I would have thought that if there was no active addiction in my life, that I would be serene and I would be, you know, so healthy and that, you know, I have such a, no, her, her story was that she's overwhelmed with worry and that story is my story. I find myself just overcome with worry and, and I really had an opportunity to think about that today and, I, and I'm wondering, Spencer, I'm wondering if I'm using worry as a way of not really acknowledging some aspects of Andrew's passing. It, it's, it's difficult to deny it. It is difficult not to acknowledge it, but maybe this other worrying about other things that may be insignificant in my life is a way of not really dealing with some of the more pressing issues in my life. Hmm. Interesting thought there, Mark. So, thought, how was your week?
2: Oh, it was great. Um, at my AWOL group, that's uh, a way of life group. We go over step work, uh, go over the steps together from the Tan book, and we're on step seven, which is to humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And, um, for me, my higher power gently reminds me when I, um, when I forget something or, uh, start questioning, uh, anything really is a general reminder if I'm still here don't worry because I I'm on step 11 right now so I'm regularly you know doing the daily inventory and things like that but I remember that I skipped the part I've been skipping the part recently where I'm humbly asking the shortcomings <laughs> to be removed so much as staring at them and going why aren't they gone yet I swear I've just done this inventory why aren't they gone um And uh, so that's really nice, especially having a a group to talk to about that. Um, I go to the same one, just for today meeting uh, with both of you. And uh, I really liked um, the lead. And I really liked her talking about being gentle with yourself and, you know, being kind to yourself and things like that. Um, It was just funny because right after I shared during that meeting, I was then beating up on myself (laughs) for sharing. I was like, why did I share? Why did I do that? I mean... There was, There's was no point to it. Why did I do these things? And there was my higher power again, gently nudging because somebody uh, then spoke up and said, you know, this was the first time I've laughed all week. Thank you so much for your share. And I was like, oh, touche, higher power. Well played. <laughs> um, what about you, Spencer?
0: Well, um, you know, there's been a lot of recovery in my life this week. I, uh, um, I, I go to a Sunday night meeting um, pretty regularly. It's 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 not an every week thing, but I was there and there's one person at that meeting who I'm not wild about that person. Okay. I'll just put it that way. And, and I feel like the, the person always shares the same thing and, and I don't see any, you know, recovery happening. Okay. And, and so, you know, this is this thing in my brain that says, what the heck are you here for? Okay. You're not getting anything out of this. Well, clearly they're getting something out of the meeting or they wouldn't be coming. And, and so I took it as an opportunity this Sunday when this person was sharing to, put into practice what I've heard people say, you know, when you're mad at somebody, when you have a resentment against somebody and I got a resentment against him. Okay. I really do, um, pray for him. And so as this person was sharing, I was just praying, God help him. God help him, um, to, you know, find whatever it is he needs to find because he's clearly in some pain and, you know, I think it helped and it, it definitely helped me. Um, and, and that's all I can, all I can really do. So, um, you know, that was a new, a new experience and, uh, Hopefully, I can continue um, letting go of that resentment that I've got there. Um, I had several uh, Al-Anon calls this week. Um, met with met with some people in the program. Um, met with my responsees and a couple other people about issues that they were having, uh, and those always help me too. Um, I had a great discussion with a friend in the program about about the eleventh step and about prayer and meditation, and it really, you know, it helps me to put into words my ideas, my concept, because sometimes I don't recognize even what I'm doing. Um, and, and if I have to stop and I have to think about it, and I have to look at, it, I have to be able to put it into words to somebody else. Um, then that helps me to understand it better. And it helps me to have a, 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 a deeper connection with my higher power, which, um, is always a good thing. Um, Wednesday night, you know, the thing I picked up on Wednesday night was, uh, um, uh, the lead, Uh, the person who's did the lead talked about not one day at a time, but one thing at a time. And I'm very much a multitasker kind of person. It feels more efficient to be when I have a little gap in one thing to go do something else. And, you know, maybe that works in some parts of my life, but in other parts of my life, it just makes me crazy. It makes (laughs) me frantic. And so the reminder to just do one thing. And I, and I tried to put that into practice this morning and instead of, overlapping, feeding the dog and making the coffee, I tried to just, I'm going to make the coffee. I'm just going to focus on making the coffee and then I'm going to feed the dog and I'm going to focus on feeding the dog. And I didn't do it perfectly, but uh, because I forgot, you know, Progress, it's like, not perfection. exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's a spirit, I, I see it as a spiritual practice because it's something that helps me to be a little bit more serene, to be a little bit less crazy, you know, in the morning at least. Okay. And uh, if I can bring that into other parts of my life, then I, I will have a better life. Next week, our topic next week will be resentments, and we welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about resentments. Mark, how can people send us feedback?
1: You can leave us a voicemail. Voicemail would be awesome. We would welcome that opportunity to be able to hear your voice and for you to add to the content. And you can get a hold of us by dialing... Right now, put the podcast on hold and dial 734 707 8795. That's 734 707 8795. Or if you prefer, you can use email if you don't like to use your voice, and you can email us at feedback at the We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope about today's topic of letting go or next week's topic of resentments. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. If today's discussion raised questions in your mind, or if you have questions you'd like us to address about resentments, give us a call.
0: Swetha, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show?
2: They can find out more at our website, therecoveryshow.com. It has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to music we play, and a page w- to which we periodically post recordings of Alan on open talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. Another way to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website is to leave comments on the show, on the show notes, or on the blog. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. We have some comments on the blog. Misha writes about our show on acceptance. This show is great, guys. This time of year is hard for me in regards to accepting where I am in my life, but it is also hard for me to accept where my ex-girlfriend, who is an alcoholic and a drug addict, is in her life. As I've taken steps towards recovery, I find myself angry that she hasn't. I sometimes get tripped up on the idea of a higher power speaking through me as I feel it happens to me in meetings when I hear exactly what I need to hear. When I get th- when I get the yearning to call her and try to urge her to h- get help, I wonder if that is my, hi- my or her higher power wanting me to say exactly what she needs to hear. Or is it just me trying to control and potentially get myself in the way of her higher power's will for her? And honestly, I don't know. I don't know whose will it is that I feel like I should call her and try to make her get help. So I will pause, I will pray, and I will call my sponsor. I will try to do something to take care of myself, and I will not wait until I know. At least that's the plan. Today I will take it one minute... I'll take it minute by minute. Progress, not perfection. Mark commented on a meditation on change. As I reflect, change can come from two sources, one from within and the other from without. One I can control, the other I can't. Grant me the wisdom to know the difference.
0: Thank you, Swetha. And um, I'd like to let, let our listeners know that the Recovery Show podcast is now available in the iTunes store. Click on the iTunes button on the website, which again is therecoveryshow.com, or search for The Recovery Show in the iTunes store to subscribe with iTunes. And now we'll close the show with Shake It Out by Florence and the Machine. I feel that this Spirit of the Sith song is captured in the lyric, and it's hard to dance with a devil on your back, so shake him off. In fact, we had a blog comment about this song on the uh, meditation about transients from Mama Mistaken. <laughs> she said, Good stuff! Literally got up in the middle of the song to shake the devil off my back. I laughed a little for the first time today. It's 10.51 p.m. Maybe I should read this in the morning. Haha. Ha. Anyway, I love the meditation in the proverb. Needed it tonight like water. Thank you.
2: Regards collect like old friends Here to relive your darkest moments I can see no eye, I can see no eye. And all of the goo Come out to play That every demon Wants his pound of flesh But I'd like to keep Some things to myself I'd like to keep My issues drawn It's always done